Romans chapter 12. Uh, verse 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We'll really be focusing on first part of verse 2. But let's read verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So a new section here in the book of Romans. We've spent quite a bit of time in chapters 1 through 11, and we found there a lot of doctrine, right? Uh, teaching. And we've seen uh, very systematically, Paul lets us know uh, what God has done for us, that we were without hope in this world. And the good news is that God has come for us, saved us, forgiven us, uh, lost in our sin, wages of sin is death, and yet the gift of God is eternal life. And in all these different ways, chapters 1 through 11, we've studied um, just, just probably the surface of what God's done for us. Oh, how dare you? Um, <laughs> what's going to happen is, you know, this is part of a home church thing, isn't it? <laughs> we wouldn't have this problem if we had a building. All right, we're back. Um, so we see the word therefore in verse 1. I beseech or I beg you, therefore. And that therefore points us back to chapters 1 through 11. That in light of all that God has done for us. Notice he says there, the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. Um, in light of everything that God has done for us. And you can go back and detail that in chapters 1 through 11. In light of that, I beg you, brethren, fellow believers... In light of God's mercy, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And we talked last time that that living sacrifice points us back to the whole burnt offering of the Old Testament. A free will offering, not required, right? It was of your own free will. You would offer uh, this sacrifice as whole burnt, right? You would take the sacrifice, bring it to the priest, offer it to the Lord, and the entire sacrifice was consumed, and it was a picture of what you wanted your life to be. God, you've done so much for me. I want my life to belong to you, not just part of it, but consume all of my life. And it's a beautiful picture there that Paul is taking us back to. It's a whole burnt offering, our life, a living sacrifice, totally offered to God. And notice in verse one, this is holy, acceptable to God, and it's reasonable service. It's logical worship, we could say. It just makes sense. If God has purchased us and saved us, it just makes sense that we say, God, I want to follow you and serve you with everything that I have. And that's true worship, a life lived for God. Now, verse two, we move on, and I'm in no rush to get through it. Chapter 12, verse 2, and, right? So we're going to add to that. And, along with that, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So, along with that, Paul says, how can you be a living sacrifice 
Do not be conformed. Now, notice this. A little bit of grammar here, I guess. Notice this. Who is being told to do uh, this, this action here? It's you. I beseech you, verse 1, therefore, brethren. It's, it's us, right? Do not be conformed, but be, but be transformed that you may prove. So I think it's important to point out that Paul is talking to us when he says don't be conformed. He's talking to you, me. He's talking to us. Um, and, and he says here, don't be conformed to this world. That's, that's a purpose. This whole thing of being a living sacrifice has got to be a purpose. It's, it's the direction that we want our life to go. Um, we have to determine, right? You go on a road trip and we're going to get somewhere. We're going to get to Florida. We're all going to Florida to hang out on the beach. How does that sound? Good? All right. Well, how do you do that? You have the purpose to go the right direction. And we could say all roads lead to uh, Florida, but they don't, right? If you start going west, you're not going to get there. You're going to determine to go towards this idea of living sacrifice. You are going to determine that your life should look like this. So Paul says, this is your determination to be a living sacrifice, um, to not be conformed to this world. Um, now, we say the word world here, and you know what I mean, right? When I say you're being worldly. Oh, don't be of the world, guys. But realize that's Christian terminology, isn't it? It's one of those things. Because if we just said to the person on the street, hey, you shouldn't live in the world. <laughs> well, where do you want me to live? <laughs> you know, planet Earth, it's what we got right now, you know. Uh, but the world we look at, it's, it's Christian way of thinking. We, we see a definition. Let's look at this real quick in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Now, if you're reading along with some of us in the mornings in the New Testament, this is where we were this morning. Uh, and I encourage you maybe this week, uh, if you're not reading something, 1 John is a great place to go. I've really enjoyed it these couple days. Uh, but chapter 2, we see a little bit of a definition of this idea of the world. Look at verse 15. John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he or she who does the will of God abides forever. So here in First John, John chapter 2, verse 16, it kind of sums this up. It defines the world for us. Look at verse 16. All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is a good way to define the world. You could say it's this world system minus God, right? When we look at this, it's taking God out of your life. That brings you to the idea of the world. So you could be agnostic. I don't know what I think about God. I don't know if I believe in a God. 
minus God, you're living in the world for sure. You could be atheistic. I'm totally taking God out of my life. Not that I believe in God, but I'm taking him out, right? And, 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 and that would put you in this place of the world. And John defines it here as we see it in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh is a life driven by pleasure, right? <clears throat> driven by pleasure. Um, now, it's not just pleasure. Come back for a second. It's not just a desire for pleasure because pleasure is not bad. I think as Christians, we think that pleasure is bad, right? Um, it's not. God made life pleasant. There are so many good things to experience in life. So many pleasant things to experience in life. In fact, stay here, but listen to what uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 16, verse 11. You show me the path of life, God. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I think we ought to realize as believers that God made life pleasurable. All the really, truly good experiences of life are that way because God made it that way, right? The sights and sounds and feelings that are good, they're that way because God said, I want life to be good. And he made life and it was good. But here, the problem with the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, is that it's a life lived for pleasure outside of the way God has established it to be. Uh, anything, and we call that, Sin, right? So it's being ruled by those pleasures, that desire for pleasure in our bodies, in our minds, whatever it is. And, and that's life in this world, driven by pleasure outside of God. Notice also in 1 John 2 that it is the lust of the eyes. Um, covetousness, perhaps, the 10th commandment there in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, says this, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, don't do that, nor anything that is your neighbor's. And so the lust of the eyes, we see something and we want it, right? Um, it's that original Sin there in the garden with Adam and Eve. They saw that the fruit was good and good for making people wise, right? So they saw it there and they wanted it, driven by what we see. It's our friend Samson, right? Samson, who says, I've seen a woman and I want her, mom and dad. I want her. And, and it's driven by what he saw. It's King David, who saw Bathsheba and wanted her. Um, it's image-oriented, what else? <laughs> and that's the world without God, driven by how we feel, what we see. And notice, sometimes I think we leave it out, the pride of life is also in this world. Um, boasting, me-centeredness, that I'm the king of my own destiny, right? This idea of I want it and I'm going to get it. We have to be very careful Right now, all three of these things are 
well, just turn on the TV for football later on, <laughs> right? It's how we live. It's commercials. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Um, it's all around us. Now, before we leave 1 John chapter 2, let's look at a couple more things about this world. Verse 15, we're encouraged, do not love the world or the things of the, this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So that's important to notice. If our main drive in life is for this world, then we're not really loving God. You can't do both, right? Um, notice also verse 16. Uh, no, verse 17. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So all these things that we look at in our flesh is just kind of drawn by in the world. Realize this, they're all passing away. None of them are eternal. And Merry Christmas, we can, we can see that every Christmas, can't we? As parents, <laughs> you know, you buy the, the latest and greatest toy, and very quickly, it's, it's old news, right? I had many of my toys when I was a kid broken before the day was up. You know, I just was that, I was that good at what I did. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's passing away. Some of us are getting rid of last year's stuff uh, right now to make room for the new stuff. Uh, you know, the slippers. Which slippers are great. I love slippers for Christmas. But, you know, you find them under the bed. <laughs> that's where mine end up. And, and, and that's it. The world is passing away. It's good to understand that it's not eternal. Now, let's turn back to Romans chapter 12 with that knowledge of the world. We read in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. So Paul says part of being a living sacrifice, the path to being a living sacrifice is don't conform to this world. Love the Phillips translation on this one. Don't let the world, now catch it, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And that's it. That's what this word means, uh, to take the shape of something else. And so we're immediately, this time I brought it. You're like, you brought it? Plato, right? I got it. <laughs> now, this is a picture of what the world wants to do to us. You all know this. Plato usually smells good. Tempting to eat it, but don't do it, right? <laughs> but here you are, you blob of clay, and, and the world then becomes like this mold, right? You're so amazed. Oh, it's broken. Um, I'm going to squeeze it. There you go. All right. So the world squeezes us into its mold, and here we are. I think it's a zebra, right? It's a little zebra that we made here. But this is what the world, now this is really profound. Check it out. This is what the world does to us, wants to do to us. It wants to squeeze us into its mold. That's what commercials are for, to squeeze us into the mold of whatever product it is. This is not what we're made for, right? The world will squeeze us into its mold. And 
And you can see that we've fallen for that in so many simple ways. Look at your yearbook picture, right? Your high school, unless you're like just in high school, don't look at that. (laughs) If you're where I'm at in life, look at your high school yearbook picture and go, how in the world did I use that much hairspray? (laughs) You know what I mean? Ladies, some of you, how did I use that much hairspray? Guys, some of us, how did I use that much hairspray back in the 1980s, right? I ripped my jeans, I wore spandex, and, and you know, uh, not just spandex, they were under the jeans, okay? Um, <laughs> and then you go, how did this happen? And I was an original, right? Not at all. Everybody, everybody was doing it because the world squeezed us and it was, well, I'm going to waste some more time, and I finally got it. You remember this from the 80s. I have one. (laughs) Yeah. In the 19... Check this out, kids. In the 1980s, people fought for these things. No joke. People got in real fights for Cabbage Patch Kids. Some people paid $600 for these things. We waited... And see, we have one. This is my mom's, I'll just say. Um, (laughs) Some people waited six months for these things. And you look at it and you go, how did I ever think this was a good idea? You know what I'm just saying? I mean, look at it. People were like just in, in awe of these things. Why? Because in some weird kind of way, the world was squeezing us into its mold. This is what you need, Cabbage Patch Kids, get one. And every year it's something different, right? Um, Now, obviously, there are more intense things that the world does to us than hairspray and Cabbage Patch Kids. The world wants us to think just like it thinks in the area of the lusts of the eyes, the lusts of the flesh, and the pride of life. If you do this, you'll be happy. You'll absolutely be happy. And it's never true. Now, we're going to hit this uh, next thing next week. But notice what he says. How do you combat this? Don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And next week, we'll have a transformer toy. Um, (laughs) But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, that's what God wants us to do, be transformed in our minds, to renew, have our minds renewed, born again, even made new again. Uh, That's next week. Uh, But we weren't made to be conformed to this world. Now, As you look at this, again, there are heavier ways that the world tries to conform us. And it's way more than Cabbage Patch Kids and Hairspray and fashion. It's what we feel about sin and sexuality, what we feel about money and what we live for and all these things. And here's where it usually ends up when we conform to this world, uh, a life of destruction I mean, seriously, a twisted life of destruction. 
death. Living for the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of ice has never satisfied anyone. And notice what we read back in 1 John chapter 2, that it's passing away. It's not eternal. It's not lasting. It ends in judgment. A lot of conflict and a lot of hurt. Now, our life... Our heart latches on to the world again. We think we'll be happy. But it shouldn't just be about satisfaction, right? Our life isn't just about being satisfied. We'll only be satisfied with God. It's what we're made for. That's true life. But it's not just about satisfaction. Because a lot of times we say, hey, man, here's the life given over to God. Don't you want it? And sometimes we honestly go, no. I really want the world in spite of knowing how it's going to affect us. And we can realize that living for the world ends in destruction and it doesn't change the way we act most of the time. Think about that. We proved it this last Thanksgiving, right? Most of us understood if I eat too much, I am going to be in pain. (laughs) It won't be pleasant in the end. But you know what? Now check it out. It never stopped us from eating too much. Rarely does it stop us from that. The consequence of sin rarely stops us from making sinful decisions. We can see how it's all going to end up. And given the choice to live for God or live for the flesh, we'll still most of the time say, I'm going to take the flesh. (laughs) Whether it's a good idea or not, I'm going to take the flesh. Even the consequences are are not enough to keep us away from sin. We have to go back to verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. It's a response. It has to be a response of our lives given over to God, not because, oh, life will be better if you do. That usually isn't enough to get us on the right path. The good life, the God life, usually not enough. But when we see what God has done for us, when we really understand that Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation. The only thing that can really put us in that place of being transformed by the renewing of our mind, not being conformed to this world, is a love for God. That's the only thing that can really do it in the end. We have to understand where we were and what God has done for us, where God has taken us. It's so good to just take time to remember Today would be a great day for communion, but I dropped the ball. Maybe you go home and have communion. Maybe as we worship, it'll be that communion in our heart, just to remember what God has done for us, how he's loved us so much. That has to be the motivation for a living sacrifice. It has to be a response, Um, not being conformed to this world. It's not just a good idea. It has to be a response. God, you haven't made me for that. God, you've saved me from that. God, I want to live for you because I love you and you love me. Um, It has to be that response. 
by the mercies of God. So maybe we need to take just a little more time to consider every day what God has done for us, the love that he's shown us, and, and, and let that do the work in our hearts, uh, a real relationship with God, uh, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice that would be holy and acceptable and reasonable, logical worship in our lives. So God, it is a battle. Uh, no matter where we're at in life, God, whether we're, we're young and just uh, have these ideas of what would make us happy or, 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 or whatever the world is trying to sell us where we're at. Um, God, it's so tempting to think that we'd be happy uh, if we just had that one thing in our life. We're able to do that one thing, and yet nothing can satisfy us like you satisfy us. God, nothing uh, can bring us life like you bring us life. God, I just pray that somehow you would get into our hard hearts and you would help us just to see a little bit more of what you've done for us, how you've so faithfully loved us. God, that, that our life would be in relationship to you. God, we need your spirit to do these things in our life, even today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.